0: This episode is brought to you by Tegas, the go-to destination for bold investing. The investment research platform trusted by 95% of the top 20 global private equity firms just got even better. Building on their solid reputation for expert insights, Tegas has expanded to become the first true all-in-one research platform. The new Tegas makes diligence faster, easier, and more convenient than ever before. Your Tegas license gives you access to over 70,000 expert transcripts, more than 4,000 fully drivable financial models, and exclusive data sets like company management checks, industry KPIs, hard-to-find non gaap data, and more. Tegas is the fastest way to learn about a public or private company and the most cost-effective way to conduct investment research, now all under one roof. Learn more and get your free trial at tegas.com Patrick.
1: This is Business Breakdowns. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions. Hosts, podcast guests, their employers, or affiliates may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions.
0: This is Zach Buss, an investor at Ironic Capital, and today we're breaking down the vertical market software business, Toast. Toast is a software platform built specifically for restaurants. Their operating system gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to serve customers from taking orders to allocating shifts. It was founded in 2011 and went public a decade later. And today, it's used by nearly 80,000 restaurants across the United States. To break down toast, I'm joined by Will Schreiber, the co-founder and CEO of Bottle, an e-commerce platform built for subscription businesses. We cover the different ways that Toast minimizes the complexities of operating a restaurant, how their deep vertical focus has helped them out compete square, and how much room there is for potential growth. Please enjoy this breakdown of Toast. All right, Will, I'm super excited to have you on to break down Toast. I know you and I can kind of nerd out on the economics of these types of businesses for hours, and for the benefit of the audience, this should be a great conversation. So maybe. Just to kind of kick things off, a basic overview of what Toast is and what they've built over the last decade, I think would be a super helpful place to start. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you having me on. Toast is a
1: point of sale, specifically a restaurant point of sale, targeting non enterprise, think independent and small chain restaurants. When you hand your waiter a card at a local restaurant, odds are they're swiping it at a Toast terminal if you're in the US. Same goes for tapping your card or phone at One of those black boxes at Dos Toros or fast casual restaurant, or when your waiter brings over a handheld tablet table side to take your order or swipe your card, Toast is charging your card, sending an order to the kitchen, displaying it for the chefs to cook the food and ultimately transferring money to the restaurant. And before Toast, restaurants would use on-prem point of sales like Aloha and NCR to do this. And the real breakthrough of Toast was not just cleaning up the UX, but actually taking that point of sale software and putting it in the cloud, which opened up APIs and new services to be layered on top of the traditional point of sale. So things like online ordering, I'm sure you've been on a lot of websites with the little orange Toast icon in the corner. That's Toast's full online storefront offering where restaurants can take orders directly. They also power payroll and can track inventory and extend financing and let you book reservations, which is a new Toast product. And they also let third party services integrate with the API. So people like DoorDash can pipe orders directly into the Toast point of sale so that they can fire in the kitchen properly and the food can be ready for the courier to come pick up. And that's how I've come in contact with Toast at Bottle. We power subscription businesses a lot of times. Those are local bakeries and donut shops and bagel shops, meal prep companies. And when they have toast as a point of sale, it's a relief because we can take orders, place uh, on a bottle store and pipe it directly to their in-store toast point of sale. So toast isn't just a way to take payment. They position themselves as the operating system, I like to say the brain, of restaurant businesses,
0: mostly in the U.S., So I think it would be striking to a lot of the audience if they kind of saw the tech stack within independent restaurant or you work with a lot of SMBs. Can you just discuss a bit about how the founders kind of saw the opportunity here in, you know, my experiences? If you ever look at point of sale systems or the number of companies that still operate with paper, it's kind of striking. And I just assume that there are certain parallels where they saw the opportunity with toast. Yeah, I
1: actually love their origin story. It's one of those where there was a previous company where a bunch of founders met and built an awesome product and then got together and did it again. And that started at a company called Indeca, which was a database search engine for Fortune 500 companies to operate online retail searches. That company was run by this guy, Steve Papa. They sold it to Oracle for over a billion dollars. A couple years after that sale, three of the top engineers that had worked for Steve had left and were looking to start a company. And as three young, really talented engineers, that was Steve Fredette, Amun Narang, and Jonathan Grimm. They had an idea to take payment through an app while you're sitting at a restaurant. So basically, like I want to order my own food and I want to pay for it from my phone. I sort of Joke that I feel like every young engineer has three app ideas a personal CRM, a note taking tool, and a mobile order app idea. I'm guilty of that. But their first idea was to take this mobile payment from a phone and not have to talk to a human and just pay for your order from your phone. And what I really like about listening to their founding story is they actually had originally thought of being a point of sale, but thought that that would be too hard. And so they decided to build this mobile order app around the dawn of mobile and the iPhone. Within six months, built that product. Six months later, realized, you know what? No one really wants to use it. It's hard for restaurants. People can't get the tickets to the kitchen. People are on these old school NCR, Aloha, on-prem point of sales. We can't even get our tickets into the kitchen. And they pivoted and said, why don't we just build the point of sale after all? And they went and six months later had built the point of sale and found their first customer and a family member of an early employee. The other thing I really like about the story is they tried to raise money initially from great investors. So Steve Papa had introduced them to a bunch of people who had backed in and everyone turned them down. They gave every reason in the book as to why selling to restaurants was a terrible idea. The phone numbers publicly listed. They get so much outbound sales calls it's a low margin business, they aren't tech savvy. And Steve ended up saying, you know what, I'll fund you guys, gave them a few tranches of money and got them going down the path of building this point of sale. And they launched with one restaurant and within 3 months had 20 signed up to use the product. And the way the founders describe it, just had really deep and clear product market fit,
0: basically, the moment they launched the actual point of sale product. I understand that you have experienced trying to sell software products into, you know, small businesses. When you kind of look at the value proposition here, what was that kind of sales process like? I mean, how do you convince a business that's running on some sort of antiquated software or NCR system to change over to kind of like leading-edge tech and you know, the warts that come with it? Great question. I would be very rich if I knew the
1: answer. I think that the value prop of Toast has changed over time. What we think of Toast now as why you would sign up is more driven by omni-channel. I'm trying to sell pickup delivery. I'm trying to sell in-store. I'm trying to sell online. I need one system to kind of manage all those orders. So it makes sense to have a cloud-based point of sale. But when they started Toast and what got people's attention was far more remedial than that. They would talk to restaurant managers and people would be scared to fire up the point of sale at the beginning of dinner service because it was a command that they had to enter in a terminal. They would launch an MS-DOS-based point-of-sale program. It would crash mid-service. They were scared to touch it or do anything with it. And something really interesting that I heard one of the founders say was they knew they had product market fit based on people willing to give them their time or prospects give them their time. So they would approach restaurants and try to pitch them on hey, you should let your customer place an order from a phone. People would book a call two weeks, three weeks out. But if they went to a restaurant manager and said, let's talk about your point of sale, people would clear the calendar, talk for an hour, two hour, three hours about how bad their point of sale was. So what they ended up doing is really intense door-to-door sales with restaurant managers, knowing that the point of sale was such a scary pain point for each manager that they were able to get people's attention by walking in the restaurant. And talking about the heart of the business, which is the point of sale system, and how painful it was to operate in this bad software. Or I should say that buyer is very not tech savvy and the product was tech intensive. Like you had to launch it from a computer terminal.
0: If you think about the complication of running a restaurant, the fact that there are so many entrepreneurs that take on this challenge is kind of striking, right? I mean, you have to do inventory management, you have to raise capital, payroll point of sale, work capital management, CapEx budgeting, you're managing labor scheduling, you're managing a kitchen with orders that ebb and flow, you have to think that there's a ton of opportunity to improve efficiency and productivity via technology. But I guess the industry has kind of been slow to change in some ways. Candidly, like I don't even have a good appreciation for what a point of sale system does in a restaurant other than the fact that I order the food online and I come pick it up and swipe my card, or I sit down and order it and they hand me a receipt and I hand them my card and they bring it back to me. What exactly are these systems kind of solving for in terms of their value proposition to the typical customer? The complexity
1: of these products is so intense that the founders themselves didn't want to build the point of sale. They were just going to build the online ordering tool. So it is very daunting. And the reason it's daunting is because of how many stakeholders there are. Your buyer isn't actually using the product day-to-day. They're the manager of the restaurant. Then you have host and hostesses who are managing table skews, who's sitting where, when those tables are going to free up. You have menu management, what products are available, what products are going to be available for how long, what products are available in the coming days versus today. You have to price all of those products appropriately. You then have a wait staff. That's another stakeholder. They have to be happy with the system. Your manager of the restaurant is constantly dealing with staffing issues. So they have people leave. They have new employees. They have to train all of those employees on the system. Your customers come in, they place an order, but they want no cheese on this hamburger. So it has to handle that variant. And that's the tip of the iceberg. We all know it gets crazy from there. People want to pay with cash, with card, with debit card. They want to split it. There's gift cards. So there's the whole payment piece, which is really complex. And then there's the kitchen. So you have to take all of that orchestration who's at what table? Who's placing what order? Who's putting the order in? What exactly is the order? Are those products available? How are we going to keep track of all the variants? And you ultimately have to get that on a ticket, printed in the right order back in the kitchen for the chefs to actually make the food the right way. That is the high level all the stakeholders involved in just the point-of-sale piece before you even get to, okay, there's pickup delivery orders. Okay, there's online orders. Okay, we're going to do payroll through the system. We're going to track inventory. So it's certainly very complicated. Every developer thinks that building an e-commerce system can't be that hard. But the moment one person asks, and I add catch-up to that, your brain just starts to break. And if you look at the Toast API you have a deep appreciation for how complex things get in restaurants.
0: The amount of variation required at every step is pretty hard to fathom. So I think later in the conversation, I definitely want to get into A, what the API ecosystem looks like for this type of addressable market. What's talking to what, where different competitors sit in the stack, and what's important. And then the other thing is... There's this debate amongst investors, whether this is a fintech, whether this is a point of sale business, what really is it? So I want to explore the fintech angle as well, but maybe just to get a better appreciation for how the business makes money at the basic level. Can we just take a restaurant and maybe walk us through the revenue model of each potential transaction that they're working through? Yeah, absolutely. So the
1: average restaurant to talk about one on toast... We'll do about 100000 a month in sales. And so let's think about it as one restaurant. I go to Toast and I know that I need to take orders. I want to turn on delivery. I want to take online orders. And I need something for my staff to input orders. Just the software for that is going to cost anywhere from free up to $170 a month for my location. We'll circle back on the free in a bit because it plays into, I think, the product strategy of Toast. and where they've been able to win. That's the standard SASB that gives you that operating system where you can manage your orders, manage your menu, your operating hours, all the information that goes into the business. The second piece of it is you actually have to take payment, which requires some sort of terminal. We're all familiar now with the square stands, the toast terminals. So the hardware restaurants have to buy themselves. And that's typically anything from a stand at a fast casual restaurant with a screen that can flip around and people can leave a tip and the person's inputting the order that goes to the kitchen down to handheld devices that waiters can carry around in a restaurant and tap to add things to orders these terminals will cost anywhere from a few hundred bucks for the more handheld terminals or even less for just the simple black card reader all the way up to nearly $1000 for the more complicated and complex full point of sale What's important to note, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, is that Toast is not making money on the hardware. They're just trying to neutralize the cost the best that they can. The main way they make money after the SaaS fee is transaction volume. So once you have purchased the hardware and you're paying the SaaS fee, your customers are paying you as a restaurant. And typically, about 26 to 2.7% of every transaction gets held back by Toast. So on a $100 transaction, $260, $270 is staying with toast. Of that, there's interchange, there's bank fees. So the credit cards and credit card companies, banks, processors, or whatnot, take the majority of that money, usually about $2 to $2.10-ish of the $260 that's held back on a $100 order. They're typically keeping about 200 basis points which leaves Toast with 50 basis points spread on average for all card payments that run through Toast. There is a distinction of card present and card not present. So rates are lower for restaurants when you take payment in-store versus online. And generally, if you look at the Toast earnings, their take rate peaked and the net payment profitability peaked when COVID was happening and things skewed heavily online, they were able to charge more for those transactions and take a higher take rate. Whereas in-store, they get about 50 basis points or less depending on the negotiation of the restaurant. So when it's all said and done, a typical restaurant will do 100,000 in payment volume a month. About 2,600 of that is held back by Toast as payment fees. And then of that, Toast receives anywhere from 500 to 800 bucks of that kind of payment volume and then plus a SaaS fee of $170 a
0: month. And so if I kind of think about revenue per customer and how that back solves into acquiring customers, is there a certain level with which you need to be operating from a revenue perspective for it, it to be worth it for them to go and acquire that restaurant and does that limit their addressable market? Yes, I think Toast
1: intentionally limits their market through pricing to target real businesses doing real revenue. The average Toast merchant is doing 100,000 a month in transaction volume for a little over a million a year, and that's really pretty good. That's pretty big, especially when you contrast it to one of their biggest competitors Square. Over 60% of Square sellers process 125,000 a year or less. The average Square seller is doing in the low hundreds of thousands annually. In transaction volume. And the reason for this is pricing. If you're a chef opening a food truck and you go to Square's website, you can get a reader for 50 bucks or less. You can open an online store and start taking payments in person and partner with delivery providers all for free, no monthly fee. And even the plus plan on Square, which gets you more industry specific features, is only $30 a month. Whereas if you go to the Toast website, the hardware is a little more expensive. The core plan starts at 70 a month, but you really need the 160 a month plan to have Toast online ordering, to have Toast delivery services, and things like that. So it's definitely cheaper at the lowest end for vendors to start on Square. Well, when you go out, though, and talk to operators and ask, why did you switch to Toast, nearly everyone says cost. And this is because Toast usually offers about a 30 basis point break uh, on transaction volume over Square. So if you're a business and you do the math, you're trying to make up for the 160 a month service fee that Toast has that Square doesn't. It's going to take about $43,000 a month in revenue at the lower transaction rate in order to make up for that 160 bucks. So from a pricing perspective, Toast is really targeting businesses doing at least a half a million a year in revenue and up from a pricing competitive standpoint. And again, I think this is Toast really dialing in their ICP. They want restaurants that are real businesses doing real volume. They offer support. They want to be known for having good support. And they need real revenue guarantees to do that. And I think that's why Toast's really cheap plan, which is there to compete at the lowest end, which is $0 a month and free hardware, that comes with a two-year contract guarantee and promises of higher take rates. Because Toast just knows that those vendors are going to be harder to work with and they need real revenue to provide the support that they want to support all of their merchants with.
0: And so, you know, we talked about the challenges and the opportunity and take rates and fees. But in order to even run a business like this, not only do you have to build great software, but also great hardware. How were they able to kind of blend those two somewhat distinct skills? And now I know you're coming at it from the perspective of building software i can't imagine how hard it would be to then have to build the hardware that you know is needed to run your software talk more about the hardware and software ecosystem that they've implemented one of the most impressive things about toast is they
1: truly were deeply technical from the beginning founded by these three engineers all MIT graduates and they really went at the heart of a lot of the technical problems involved in this it is not easy to build hardware that works with software and vice versa. Toast made one key bet early on that I think paid off, which is back when they were getting started in 2011, 2012, they decided to build custom point-of-sale software on the Android operating system, whereas a lot of their competitors were just building apps for the iOS ecosystem where you'd hope a restaurant would buy a full iPad to run your point-of-sale. And the Toast decision was, we're going to build with Android, that'll give us the ability to build more custom hardware because we can go install the Android operating system on custom hardware and run our own app. So that was a technical bet and decision that they made early on that really paid off. And they were able to build these payment terminals and point of sale systems on top of Android and integrate them with their point of sale. I think that back to the complexity of how many stakeholders there are between the manager, the waiters, the kitchen staff, the host the hostess, the printer in the kitchen, the display system for chefs, the online ordering, this is part of the moat that Toast has. To think about trying to compete at this level with this amount of complexity, with all the different hardware that's available is extremely daunting. There was an interesting interview where one of the founders was talking about how hard it was just to make sure the hardware worked in restaurants. You forget, like if the restaurant has a patio, well, they didn't put Wi-Fi out there yet. And so they actually can't use Toast or your hardware until they install Wi-Fi and then the Wi-Fi might go out. And now the tablet doesn't work. And now the restaurant's really upset because they're losing orders of business. And I think one thing that really helped Toast grow in the beginning... Was a commitment to customer success and onboarding, where they, for very low prices, would do kind of deep hand holding and installation and migration work for their customers to get them off of on prem point of sales and to adopt what's ultimately more complex in terms of how many things can go wrong. The internet can go down, terminals can die, the battery might go out on a handheld, they might not have been charged overnight there's just way more surface area for things to go wrong which i think is a bigger testament to how amazing it is that it all works well
0: if you kind of think about like the product roadmap they're effectively creating this ecosystem that pains me to use the terminology but there does seem like there's some sort of network effect here in that if your restaurant is using toast and toast talks to your food distributor and the payment processors and your banks and there's working capital and financing benefits the more and more the layer on it actually can justify a pretty significant acquisition cost up front, just given that opportunity. How ultimately does the company's economic model look, right? I understand how they generate revenue, but what is the margin profile of everything they're potentially selling into the restaurant look like or ultimately look like when they reach kind of what we could call more of a steady state?
1: What's most interesting of what you said before we dive into the full numbers is You would expect, in my opinion, decreasing acquisition costs over time. My perspective, especially with talking to so many vendors who use Toast, is Toast has won. And the people who aren't on Toast are aware of it. If they aren't on it already, they're thinking about switching to it. There isn't really an alternative. If you're a restaurant, it's going to be Toast in a head-to-head competition. Again, because of the product complexity. At the same time, in the most recent quarter and kind of annual update, the acquisition costs are going up. Maybe there's international expansion or something going on that isn't fleshed out in the data. So, in terms of how Toast makes money, they're a lot bigger business than I think most people give them credit for. So, this year they're on track to surpass 100 billion in gross payment volume. Over the course of the year, we'll probably touch close to 110 billion in GPV that will drive nearly 4000000000 billion. They're estimating about $3.7 in revenue for Toast. Now, that's not all software revenue. It's easy to think, well, Toast, a software company, amazing margins. But only 13% of that revenue is SaaS-driven, true recurring payments revenue. 82% of it is payments revenue. So... As discussed previously, they're withholding 2.6, 2.7% of all the transactions that flow through Toast, but they're only keeping about 50 basis points of that. So they have a roughly 20 to 23% gross margin profile on the payments revenue stream, which is 82% of their revenue profile. And then the remaining 5% is the hardware and services businesses, which again are loss leaders. They lose money on hardware. In every report. And it seems like using it to try to lower the friction as much as possible to get you on to a toast reader. It's in a lot of ways the modern Keurig. They want you to have the hardware for as cheap as they can afford so that you start processing payments and making money
0: for them. It's atypical to see software oriented businesses with a low 20% gross margin. But if I kind of look at what's titled subscription services, financial tech, and then hardware, and then how that consolidates into the margin profile of the business, what exactly should I think about from a revenue recognition perspective?
1: You certainly cannot compare it to other SaaS companies. The purity of revenue here compared to something like Salesforce is not there. If we think about the 3.7 billion projected annual revenue in this coming year, 13% of that is just pure SaaS with 70% gross margins. As they say, that's the monthly fee. The $60 a month, $170 a month fee that people are paying. So then the bulk of Toast revenue, 82% of their recognized revenue is transaction revenue. Right now, it's holding steady at about 23% gross margins on the transaction revenue, which isn't bad and is pretty similar to Shopify's ShopPay gross margin profile. But because the bulk of Toast revenue is transaction revenue, the margins on the 3.7 billion are well below 50%. They end up coming out to just below 30% gross margins.
0: And so maybe this is kind of an appropriate segue into what the fintech angle looks like here. Ultimately, it's the goal of a business like this to uh, land and expand and have the hardware and the heart of the business and the point of sale and then realize like, okay, we have this incredibly rich vein to go after and Financial technology and payment processing and financing, or is it really like make a little bit of money on everything and just be the dominant player? Where do you think the business kind of plots their path from here? Yeah. If we hit on
1: what are one of the secret traits of the business, Toast's success, I think, is largely attributable to their just deep vertical focus. Like they are focused as a restaurant oriented business. And that goes back to, The founders, when they were at Indeca, viewing how that business was so deeply focused on Fortune 500 retail companies, that they knew everything about those businesses. So the founders of Toast, seeing that success, wanted the same thing. They thought, let's be deeply focused on restaurants. It's a huge vertical, and there's a lot of pain. And so I don't think the company's DNA is point of sale as much as it is vertical and you see that in the products they launch where okay yes we're point of sale but we're also financing so we'll give you a revenue based loan to fund the next location that you want to open we're also payroll so we're going to charge you $4 a month for every one of your employees to run payroll on their behalf and i think that that's the product strategy and business strategy from toast perspective whereas okay we're the market leader in smb point of sale Restaurants is a huge industry in the U.S. We can start to go international, but we don't yet know how well that's going to work and how well the culture carries from U.S. restaurants to restaurants in other markets. But we do know that we sit at the heart of every restaurant in the U.S. that uses us. We are their heartbeat, the absolute center of the business. What are all the products and services that we can layer on to grab more revenue and spend from every business? that exists on our platform. So I think that's the path forward for Toast, not being point of
0: sale, but being the restaurant operating system, as they like to say. And then so as an extension of that operating system, you know, we touched upon it briefly earlier. But I don't think that the general audience has a strong appreciation for how important different APIs are. And the nomenclature of APIs become pervasive in that everyone talks about it, but no one really understands what it is, myself included. So... I'd love to better understand like, how does the software or the heart of the restaurant, as you call it, or the brain, how does it talk to other businesses, other software providers, a business like yours? Like, How does everything work together? I think Toast and Shopify have a lot in common. So
1: I'll use Shopify as an analogy of how Toast fits into the ecosystem for the usual restaurant. But I think people better understand just general e-commerce. Shopify is an online store. Online businesses do all sorts of things, though. They work in a bunch of different ways. So some have subscription add-ons, some want their website to look a certain way, some sell food, some sell clothing, some source from abroad. There's all of these different needs and Shopify can't build everything for them. So they have this really built out marketplace of apps. And Toast is in the exact same situation. As narrow as restaurants sounds, restaurants are actually incredibly diverse. You have fast, casual restaurants where you order at a counter. You have fine dining restaurants where your waiter would never have a tablet brought to the table to punch in an order. You have casual restaurants that do have waiters, though, where they will actually carry a Toast tablet to the table to place an order. You have businesses that are mostly online. You have some that do no online. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And Toast can't service everybody for the exact need, but they can do the core things really, really well. And where they make up for not being able to do absolutely everything is exposing the core functionality via an API so that you can hook up DoorDash, as an example, and let DoorDash send via an API what order is placed in DoorDash into the point of sale, and then let Toast figure out getting that ticket to the kitchen on the kitchen display system at the right time. And there's a lot of endpoints like that. So you can take orders, you can issue gift cards, you can deal with inventory, track spend, like you mentioned, you could hook up a financial services app that can look at what your revenue is day to day, week to week. And so Toast is able to expose a lot of data and functionality externally to a bunch of other partners and players in the space. What's interesting is I actually think this is the core challenge of Toast's future, of what we were just saying, of Toast wants to layer in revenue streams and be the real operating system of restaurants. Ultimately, they will find that they're competing with more and more of the partners that have built apps in their kind of API marketplace. So in the last few months, for example, they just built a pay at the table native functionality inside of Toast that competes with a lot of apps that have integrated via API that would let you have previously paid at the table via a different app. And the more and more that happens, which is exactly the same issue with Shopify, the less developers will be willing to actually build on top of Toast because they'll just see that the popular apps are going to get copied and implemented as first-party functions within Toast. There is this interesting tension between wanting to build first-party features without encroaching too much on the ecosystem you've developed of partners that utilize Toast as an API to do things outside of the system.
0: You know, if I kind of look at the Toast business today, obviously, it seems like the pandemic changed the way that we all interact with not just restaurants, but small and medium-sized businesses, as well as e-commerce broadly. It's a business that's enjoyed rapid sales, but eventually, the low-hanging fruit is gone. What do you kind of see as the key risks to them in their product roadmap and strategy for growth from here? Yeah, I will start the thought of major risk with, I am deeply impressed
1: with the product mode that Toast has. And secondly, training employees is often the biggest complaint of restaurant managers, just labor in general, people quitting, people not showing up. And Toast has positioned themselves as being the most user-friendly, easiest to onboard point of sale in the restaurant space, which has been really key to their growth and distribution. This is coming from a place of deep admiration. I think, though, the risk is that they burn through all the firewood, that there aren't enough restaurants left in the U.S. after a few more years, that there's much growth to be had. And I think you're starting to see signs of that where there's this stat that there's 860,000 restaurants in the U.S., Toast has, as of this last quarter, 85,000 restaurants. And you're like, wow, only 10%. And they're the market leader. How fragmented. They have so much room to grow. Well, half of all those restaurants are chains, especially in the US. It's so consolidated around the major chains. I mean, McDonald's has tens of thousands of units in the US alone. And when you really look at it, there's only 160,000 restaurants that are true SMB single location restaurants. Toast does compete in chains, but typically, once you hit 15 locations, people move to uh, Revel, as an example, a point of sale that has branded themselves as for chains more than 15 locations. So the key risk, as I see is, can you grow more in the US? You certainly can for now. Toast has been putting out very impressive growth quarters, but the 10% market share, I think, understates... How big they actually are, and how few restaurants there may be left to go in the SMB, more independent segment of the market. So then the question is, well, can you grow internationally? They're starting this. So last year they announced that they'd be going abroad, and this year I've entered three new markets. We'll see how well that goes. I think that the culture in the U.S. around restaurants is pretty unique, and if you take Europe as an example, there's less of a culture around table turns, less of a culture around speed, less of a culture around online orders that aren't handled through providers that already exist. There's way lower processing rates in general. It's legislated by the EU. Typically, processing rates in Europe are sub 1%. Adding 50 basis points that would go to toast on top of that feels a lot more expensive than it does in the US when people were more used to credit card and swipe rates. So I think it remains to be seen if they can grow internationally. So then the final question is, well, can you go up market? Staying focused on restaurants, can you move to larger enterprises? And I think that Toast has built an amazing business in SB and that there's a mistake in going up market, I would say, for two reasons. The first is that the giant chains are just so cost conscious that they'll actually pit you against each other. And the revenue quality isn't the same of an enterprise client as it is of an SMB that the average point of sale operator can only get about 10 basis points out of enterprise customers versus about 50 basis points for an SMB client. And then the second point is the bigger the enterprise as software gets easier and easier to build, people will opt for a more headless custom built solution strictly for their business. And that seems like, wow. What a mistake. Why not take the -the off-the-shelf software? But I think a really good example of a business that's done this is Crumble, the cookie franchise in the US. They built a fully custom stack using the kind of off-the-shelf, both what Stripe and Adian offer, where you can build your own point of sale terminal. They used that, built their own online store, their own in-store point of sale with a very small engineering team, and has helped power them to hundreds of franchise locations. And you're going to see more and more of that in the enterprise space. So I think the main question for Toast is just how much more growth room is there. And ultimately, they'll be left with, well, how many more products can we introduce and layer on top of
0: this core point of sale? And in my opinion, that's where the growth will come from for Toast. And so we've briefly touched upon some of the competition. But Toast, as it stands today, is certainly a very vertically focused company, right? food and beverage, specifically restaurants. You have kind of mentioned the potential risks of being that focused. How does kind of like the go-to-market strategy of a vertically focused provider like Toast compare to that of something like Square, which is comparable, but way broader in their approach? And does Toast have the opportunity to broaden their aperture in a way that they start to knock up against them in areas outside of food and beverage? They're going to try. And they have, I think, is ultimately the answer. They just
1: introduced a more cafe-oriented product. Toast dominates in restaurants, this extreme focus on restaurants. But the moment you step over to a coffee shop, you may have noticed you're way more likely to see a square point of sale still than you are a toast terminal. I've come to realize the distinction is really, is there a kitchen in the back or is there not? And the more you analyze the Toast API, and the more you analyze all of the tens of thousands of little things that go into a really good point of sale, it's all about that kitchen display system, firing the ticket at the right time, and translating orders in the right language at the right time to the kitchen. I think stepping outside of that paradigm, you end up in a place where the software needs are just different enough that you lose a bit of your magic that I think you have as Toast. And so I think that they'll find it pretty hard to just compete with Square where, you know, cafe is one thing, but if you keep going, is it just a retail storefront? Now you're talking about very different needs than everything Toast has built in terms of what is in order and what does that mean in our database. For context too, Square's gross payment volume is about two times that of Toast but is much more broad and is not industry focused and loses to Toast in terms of market share when it comes to the restaurant vertical. So Toast is already beating Square, which is the other major point of sale operator in the US in restaurants. And I think we'll struggle to extend past in-person brick and
0: mortar point of sale. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about how other players in the ecosystem potentially could start to, run up against their addressable market, DoorDash, Uber Eats, backward integration within those businesses and how they realize the payment opportunity as well. What's the potential path for this to play out?
1: Well, they want two things. They want to coexist with all the tools you use. And they also want you to be upsold to SaaS. They want you to use the payroll. They want you to use the online ordering. They want you to use the inventory management. Because the data shows that the more SaaS add-ons you add to your Toast subscription, the less likely you are to rip out the payments. The revenue is in the payments. So there's this interesting dynamic where you're actually using the software and the stickiness of the software to keep you taking payments with Toast terminals. So the challenge is, though, this while Uber Eats and DoorDash and other online providers are highly motivated... For it not to be sticky with toast. The reason being that they don't want the point of sale operator to have all the power. If the point of sale operator has all the power, then they can start to dictate terms and charge Uber Eats and DoorDash fees for piping orders into toast. And the moment that happens, then you know business operators, DoorDash, Uber Eats just get even less profitable for restaurants. So what that means is DoorDash and Uber Eats and other providers in the space are working as hard as they possibly can to make interactions between different systems as simple as possible. Basically, that just means Uber Eats wants it to not matter whether you're on Toast or Revel or Square or Clover or whatever tool you use, you're going to get your Wordash order typed into whatever system you're using. And the easier and easier it gets for data to flow and for tools to communicate with each other, the easier it is to switch. So if 60% of your orders are online and are coming from DoorDash, and you're using Toast, and Toast is charging you 3% in store, you're less stuck on Toast because JP Morgan or Bank of America or some other cheap payment processor might go along and say, look, do your in-store revenue with us on a Revel point of sale. And all you have to do is just tell DoorDash to send your orders, to revel instead of toast so there's this interesting dynamic where it's going to get easier and easier to integrate and kind of coexist with a bunch of different providers because those other providers don't want the point of sale to have power whereas the point of sale really wants to be as powerful and as sticky as possible what i think will be interesting to watch play out is the value problem toast used to be you were scared of your point of sale that's gone away. Now every point of sale is cloud-based, is less scary. You're not operating it from a command line. The new value prop is what's well, in the cloud and it's omnichannel. So you can use it for marketing and as a CRM and retarget customers and take online orders and do pickup and delivery and have an online store. And it just works really well. But as all these other partners make it easier and easier for omnichannel yeah. to be true regardless of what point of sale you're on, then the more commoditized the core offering of just taking payments at the terminal becomes.
0: So coming at it from the perspective of a super curious person, but also an operator in the space, our customary question is lessons that can be learned. So I'd be curious the lessons that you borrow from toast and building bottles yourself. And then also when you look at other business opportunities, the lessons that investors could take away from the Toast story today? Like I said, at the beginning of the call,
1: deeply admire how Toast has built this business and what they've done. And I think there's three main things that are key takeaways, not only for me, but I think could be for a lot of entrepreneurs. And the first is this insane discipline around who the customer is and focusing on a specific vertical. This is something that the founders had learned from their previous work at Indeca and wanted to copy explicitly when they started Toast. It was less of a what product are we going to build and more of a who are we gonna build for question. They have been absolutely relentless in their strict adherence to this. We are for restaurants. If you go to toasttab.com, all of the language is geared solely to one audience and it's a restaurant audience. And I think having that amount of discipline and not letting the market pull you and expand the product horizontally and add features that restaurant people don't need. But having the discipline of saying, you know what, we're for restaurants and we can dominate the space and it will be a great business is a great lesson to take. And the second is proving everyone wrong around distribution. Back to the financing history of the company, everyone doubted that you could sell into SMB restaurants, get managers to answer the phone and get your foot in the door. There's a few things that they did, I think are really unique and cool. The first of which is just doing distribution deals with other companies in a way that people hadn't thought about previously. So Steve Papa, who was the original financer of the company, would get on the call and get on planes and go meet with partners. And he actually struck a deal with the Gordon Food Distribution Company out of Grand Rapids to have Toast be the preferred vendor for everyone they talk to. So, just finding little tricks that were outside of cold calling and actually walking in the door to actually grow in order to prove the common wisdom of the time that restaurant and SB sales are brutal is, is a really cool thing to see. And the second thing they did around distribution was using the apps and the API stuff that we talked about previously as a strategy to acquire customers. So, if a loyalty business got a hold of a restaurant and convinced them to use their loyalty software, but they didn't integrate with Aloha, but they did integrate with Toast, then that could be a winning customer. So making sure they had an API available for partners to integrate with to bring them customers was a key part of the strategy as well to just coexist with everyone in the ecosystem. This will be a bit of you know the famous Microsoft embrace, extend, extinguish mindset, it'll be interesting to see how much longer the API ecosystem exists at Toast as they build more and more features themselves. It could end up being that they close off the API or get more strict about what apps you can build. But as for now, it's been an amazing strategy for them. And the third takeaway, I think for every entrepreneur and something that has been a hard lesson for us at Bottle is going to the heart of the problem. They did a great job of this at the very beginning of their company, of choosing what was going to be the easy path with the mobile order pay app and then deciding, you know what, this isn't the core challenge. The core challenge is that the point of sale fires up with a command line and is on-prem and doesn't talk to anything. So let's just go build the point of sale, even though we know that'll be really, really hard. And what's been really interesting about Toast is they've continually chosen the hardest path. So instead of building an iPad app And having their vendors just buy iPads or buying iPads for their vendors, they actually went and built a deep Android application that they could install on hardware and went out and built a hardware team to create these payment terminals and point of sale systems themselves so that the hardware could be cheaper than having to buy an iPad. So just decisions down the road of being hyper-focused, figuring out distribution in a really scrappy way and choosing the hardest problems and not being scared of
0: them. Are three really great lessons from observing Toast and how they built this business. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. In a lot of ways, the best software kind of pays for itself, right? In that the easiest ways to improve returns on invested capital are improving margins of a business by making it more efficient, improving turnover by increasing productivity, or decreasing the capital intensity of the business itself, either via working capital or upfront CapEx in a lot of ways, Post has the ability to do all three. And so it seems like a particularly interesting business for that reason. And it'll be a, a fascinating story to watch unfold from here. To
1: find more episodes of Breakdowns ranging from Costco to Visa to Moderna, or to sign up for our weekly summary, check out jointcolossus.com. That's dot com.